0: TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to a place of wellness and healing for both your body and mind. Get ready to live a happy, healthy, whole food life that totally rocks. You're listening to Shiny Healthy You, the straight-talking natural health show for busy women, with your host and naturopath, Jules Galloway. And welcome to an episode of Shiny Healthy You that I like to call Ask the Naturopath. Every so often we'll take a week out to answer your burning health questions. If you would like to be part of this, if you have a question that you would like to ask me or a topic that you would like covered in this show, simply email me at hello at julesgalloway.com and I'll do my best to fit you into the show. Now, it's also just worth mentioning, I know it's a bit of common sense, but I'll put it out there anyway, that of course these answers are in no way a proper substitution for a proper naturopathic consultation. They are Meant to be just a guide only, just some really simple, helpful things that are just going to help you get on your way back to better health. But sometimes you still will need to go and see a health practitioner of your choosing. So just keep that in the back of your mind and take on board what you can. And when you're ready to see someone, you can always find the right person to pop up at the right time to help you out, I'm sure. So, first of all, the first question coming in today is from Juliana. And Juliana says, I would love to hear about pyroluria and how you are day-to-day. I have it too. Um, yeah, this has been a hot topic lately because I was featured on Joe's um, and Fuad's Quirky Journey podcast talking about pyroles. So it has been something that's been really thrown around a lot lately and it does seem to be quite fashionable and popping up everywhere at the moment. Everyone's talking about this pyroluria or sometimes I'll call it pyrol disorder. So first of all, hey Juliana, welcome to the Pyrol Club. There's a fair few of us in there. In fact, I often joke that all the cool people are in it. So you're in good company, hun. So first of all, I'll just explain for those of you out there who haven't heard of it, what pyroluria Urea or Pyrol Disorder is, because it's still quite a new concept in a lot of circles. So Pyrol Disorder occurs when your body is making too much of this substance called pyrroles, And pyrroles are actually a very important thing. Like you need to make them. They're part of what makes up your hemoglobin. So you do need to make some. Unfortunately, there are some people out there that seem to make too many of these little suckers. And so what isn't needed to make up the hemoglobin goes floating around inside the body and And in order to be removed from the body, it actually chelates to some really important things. It chelates to your B6, it chelates to your zinc, and it chelates to a couple of other things as well. Um, But what ends up happening in a lot of people is they'll end up with a vitamin B6 and a zinc deficiency that's ongoing over a long period of time. Now, if you have pyrrole disorder, what you'll find is that if you're busy or if you're stressed or if you're very physically under the pump somehow, now, then what can happen is you make more of these pyroles, and when we find ourselves busy and stressed, then that's when we'll end up having more of a B six and more of a zinc issue because we've got more pyroles floating around in the body. They chelate to more of your B six and to more of your zinc, and they carry them out of the body. So the busier and the more stressed and the more under the pump you are the more of an issue you may have with this. And sometimes the pyrrole disorder can actually lie around undiscovered, undetected for a really long period of time and then it will just rear its ugly head At a point in time when you have been really busy or stressed or maybe even traumatized, it tends to turn up and people call it burnout sometimes because it will happen after you've had a really stressful experience or maybe you've got a couple of kids or you've got a really busy job or something and then you'll think, I'm just burning out. But actually, it could be the pyrols. Now the other problem with having really low B6 and really low zinc is that over time, what that can then lead to is other issues down the track. So in particular, there's, the low zinc uh, can cause copper toxicity. Copper and zinc tend to sit on a bit of a seesaw, and copper's a funny old thing. It's it's technically thought of as a heavy metal, so too much copper in the system is is really not good for you, but you do need small amounts of copper in your body in order for it to function really well as well. So there is something there, there is such a thing as a copper deficiency, but that doesn't happen very often in Australia. I can tell you now we definitely see more examples of copper toxicity than deficiency, especially in my practice. And zinc and copper sitting on that seesaw means that if the zinc is down then the copper goes up. And that's when we start to encounter problems. So the signs and symptoms of pyrrole disorder are usually linked to B6 deficiency, zinc deficiency and copper toxicity. So they're the signs and symptoms that you need to be looking for. But in a nutshell, it rolls a little something like this. You can have things like fatigue, anxiety, depression, hormonal imbalances, leaky gut, food intolerances, skin disorders, feelings of overwhelm, uh, a really poor resistance to stress, so people who crash and burn when they're stressed or busy, poor immunity, increased infections and there's, there's heaps more as well, like you could really go on and on, like the the symptoms, the list of symptoms of uh, pyrrole disorder is quite long and you are welcome to Google it and scare the pants off yourself. Really, um, it yeah, it is a bit of a bummer once you read it all, um, especially when you find out that you've got um, this this uh, issue with yourself. So. Uh, the long-term effects of this uh, can be quite far-reaching as well. But they and the evidence is still coming in. There's still a lot of research being done, especially over in the U.S. Uh, Pyrol disorder is now thought to be connected uh, with OCD. Um they're finding a high incidence of it in schizophrenic patients and um possibly that people are starting to also even connect it with things like autoimmune diseases and some cancers although research is continuing and like I said it really is early days in that department so we're still waiting to see what what else will come to light. So Juliana you asked about the treatment that I've been having and how it's working out for me. So uh, I was diagnosed uh, with pyral disorder in November 2015, so November last year. So I've, I've known about it for six or seven months, but I have known that there have been issues all my life. I always knew I had, you know, for the last decade, I knew I had food intolerances, I knew that I had issues with my immune system, all those sorts of things, but I didn't know it was actually pyral disorder until uh, late last year. Luckily, though, I had already been doing things like extensive gut healing, anti-candida, boosting myself up with the nutrients that I knew I was deficient in, including B6 and zinc on a lot of occasions, but unfortunately, I didn't know I had pyrourea, so I wasn't giving myself enough B6 and zinc and in the right forms. But I was definitely supplementing my body and trying to eat the right foods. I was gluten, dairy and sugar free, which really would have helped me a lot. So even though that the pyroles were undetected for a long period of time, I had already taken some of the steps that I would normally recommend somebody take if they discovered they had this issue. So I was really lucky on that front there. So once I found out that I had the pyrol disorder I went on to what's called a pyrol primer uh, and that's a special supplement that has got a special mixture of the zinc and B6. And it's got a couple of other things in there as well, like magnesium. Um, Some primers have biotin, a few other things that, that your body is likely to be deficient in. And like I just mentioned, you need to have a special kind of zinc. In my case, I took picolinate and a special kind of B6. And in my case, it was called P5P. And sometimes the other forms of zinc and B6 are not as readily absorbed. So that's important to know that even if you've been taking zinc and B6, you may have been taking a form that's not well absorbed in pyrol clients. And sometimes you may not have been taking the right amounts as well. And I will stress that it is really important to not dose yourself up, but please go and see a practitioner and get the right dosage for you because if you take too much too soon, you can have a whole world of other side effects like copper dumping and I'll go into that a little bit later. So I'm now on a medium dose of this Pyrol Primer, but I did start off on a very low dose just to try and protect myself from having a copper dump. Um, And I'm also now on 2,000 milligrams of evening primrose oil per day, Uh, I was also found to be under-methylating when uh, after I did my original pyrrole test and it came back positive, I did go and do some follow-up tests. I went for something called a Pfeiffer Profile. Um, that's the one that, that I do through Nutrapath, which is an Australian lab here. And they test things like histamine, homocysteine, which are markers of um, whether you're over-methylating or under-methylating. And I also had uh, the zinc and the copper and the ceruloplasmin as part of that test as well. Um, It's important to know that if you've been sent for a copper test, but you haven't had your ceruloplasmin checked, you really need to get the ceruloplasmin done because the ceruloplasmin is um, is the protein that the copper binds to. And we need to know the level of that in order to work out something called free copper. And free copper is the thing that we are most concerned about at the moment as practitioners because that's the one that can cause a lot of symptoms because that's basically the copper that's running around in your bloodstream wreaking a bit of havoc. So if you've had your copper done but you haven't had your ceruloplasmin done, we don't know your free copper, it's definitely worthwhile finding that out because it really uh, it can help us to pinpoint the, the amount of supplements that we give and when we go up because, again, with the copper dumping, um, we need to know about the free copper in order to help prevent the copper dumps from happening. This is why it's really important to work with a practitioner. I really can't stress that enough. Uh, so, yeah, I, I got back the Pfeiffer profile. Histamine was raised, found out that I was under-methylating, and so that's something I need to keep an eye on as well, and I have – very recently just in the past week sent myself off for an mthfr test which is a genetic test that you can do um and that you know that is one of the things that can cause your your body to be under-methylating so it's just something else that i often cover off in my own pyrrole clients so i thought best practice would be to send myself for one as well so watch this space i'm waiting on those results as we speak uh, the symptoms of MTHFR are quite often very similar to the symptoms of pyrols, and I have started to see some clients who seem to have both concurrently. Uh, so also I recommend getting the copper levels tested uh, again in six months with the ceruloplasmin again in six months uh, because we need to also see how that, that treatment's going, and that's something that I'm about to do as well because I'm due for that too. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Uh, We've talked about the yeah we've done the primer and I've talked about some of the testing so let's talk about day to day life <laughs> so day to day life can be kind of up and down uh, obviously a lot of people with pyroluria pyrol disorder can have things like anxiety and depression and mood swings and I'm definitely no exception to that uh, so it can be a bit of a roller coaster and sometimes I still have very low energy days, uh, there's a definite overall improvement. And I started to notice that overall improvement quite soon after starting on the pyrole primer. Uh, but that, you know, it does go up and down. And I now know a lot of, you know, I know that I've got this condition, I've got this issue. And what I would say to you if you've got pyroles is that you need to learn when to be kind to yourself. I used to just, when I had these low days, before I knew about the pyroles. I used to just try and push through thinking that I was being a bit slack or a bit weak or, you know, just need to toughen up or have a coffee or something. But I now know that it's it's part of that overall pyrole picture. And if I rest on those low energy days, I definitely pull back out of that spiral a lot faster and with a lot more energy overall. So, a little bit of rest in the short term is definitely beneficial to your body in the long term because it does help to reset you. So, I think that's really, really important to know that if you've got uh, if you've got an issue with pyrols, you it's time to really tune into your body and listen to what your body needs and when it says rest. If possible, you need to rest as much as you can because that will help to, to bolster your immunity, it will help to get you healthier, it will help your, you know, uh, your detoxification pathways. So you know, all, that rest and regeneration is really important when you're trying to detoxify your body from copper as well. So it's definitely, definitely something that you know, people with pyrols need to work on. So I did have one episode of copper dumping um, where I increased the dose of the pyrol primer in the same week as I did some pretty serious cardiovascular exercise, um, like it was definite increase in exercise. Um, Of course, I only pushed it because that's what naturopaths do sometimes. We experiment on ourselves, not on our clients. So sometimes we do things to ourselves that we wouldn't do to our clients. Um, It's quite funny. I'm always gentle with other people, but then I go a bit hell for leather on my own recovery because I get really impatient. So I learned my lesson. Um, Copper dumping is really Really unpleasant, it basically means whatever symptoms of copper toxicity you 're already experiencing you 're going to experience them more as the copper comes out of your tissues prematurely and tries to leave the body, but first it gets circulated around through your bloodstream and so basically your your copper goes up for a bit before it becomes excreted from the body and i 'll tell you now it 's not fun it 's definitely not fun so um, I definitely urge you to go slowly, and again with the make sure you do it with a practitioner uh, who's got experience in this department. Some, you know, some people do go a bit hell for leather on the pyrol treatment, and then there's a lot of talk about copper dumping. And yeah, if you can avoid it, then definitely it's something that's best avoided. Look, I've, already, I've also seen some really great results. So, you know, I don't want to scare the pants off you completely. Uh, I look, personally, I've had vastly improved energy levels, the ability to bounce back better from a busy or from a stressful week. Like, I don't get so knocked around after travel now, whereas I used to get knocked around a lot. I've definitely got increased motivation to exercise. Like, I can get off my ass more easily and get out there and train, which is fantastic. Not only that, but my hair's growing faster. My nails are like growing out of control. Seriously, they always used to grow fast, but now they are insane. Um, there's no white spots on my nails anymore because that would have been probably from the zinc deficiency. That's a zinc deficiency sign quite, quite often. I also think there's a few little things that really make me happy too about this. I think my skin is better hydrated than it used to be. Um, I definitely don't need as much moisturizer as I used to. So that's really good. <laughs> Um, look, I've also, I'm have also I'm still waiting for improvements in other departments too. Um, I've got endometriosis and that's something I've had for over 20 years, well over 20 years. So it might take a while to see any changes there because I, I do believe that the endo is affected by the, that long-term B6 deficiency because B6 can uh, affect your hormone balance and we know endometriosis has definitely got a hormonal imbalance component to it. Um, but look, when you've had something for 20 years, it can take a really long time to get any sort of turnaround. And unfortunately, um, in my own body, it's experienced, you know, certain structural changes due to the endo. Uh, so they can't always be fixed. Like scar tissue sometimes just, you know, that, that's, that's just going to be there now. I know there's people who say they can dissolve scar tissue and I'm sure there are examples of that, but it doesn't happen for everyone. I'm still really hopeful though, uh. I've had, you know, a few months now where the PMS wasn't quite as bad as it used to be. So I'm taking this as a good sign that the B6 is starting to help. Um, but I think when you've got a really long-standing issue like that, um, you know, just it it pays to be really patient and look for the small wins because it can take a long time to get turnarounds in those sorts of departments. And you know, like there there used to be a bit of a saying in naturopathy. Um, that it was, you know, one month of treatment for every year that you've been sick. And I've definitely seen times when that's definitely applicable. Um, There have been times when that's not accurate either. But yeah, it gives you a bit of an indication that sometimes if you've had something for 20, 30 years, that it can be a long road back. But like I said, look for the small improvements, look for the small wins and celebrate those because they will keep you on the right track and they'll keep you motivated to keep going with the treatment. Now, I must stress that the path to healing pyrrole disorder is going to be different for everyone. It depends on so many factors. It depends how long you've had it. It depends how severe it is. Everyone gets a little magic number when they when they get their pyrrole results. Some people, anything over 10 is often considered to be high. Once you get to sort of over 15, then it's considered to be reasonably high. Um, I've been getting a lot of clients who are in the 20s at the moment. I've had a couple in their 40s. I personally scored 45. I've seen way higher than that as well. Everyone's number is different, but it doesn't just go on the number. What it really needs to go on is your symptoms as well as your number. So, you know, how is it affecting you? Uh, is it affecting you? Maybe you've got a high number, but not so many symptoms, Maybe you've got a lower number, but you're getting a lot of symptoms. Every single person's going to be different, but that number does give you a little bit of an indication. Sometimes it can just be an indication that you're quite stressed or busy at the moment too. So the path to healing pyroles is also going to depend on things like your copper levels, your zinc levels, your B6 levels. It can depend on how healthy your liver is because if you're going to be detoxifying that copper... You better hope that your liver's in really good running order. And if it's not, then, you know, your naturopath, your practitioner may look at doing things that are good for helping improve your liver. So as a naturopath, there's herbs and supplements that we can do for that. And of course, then there's other things that can influence your recovery. A big one is diet. The cleaner your diet is, the faster your chances of recovery. I cannot stress that enough. Going gluten, dairy and cane sugar free seems to yield the best results at the moment and adding lots of nutrient rich whole foods is always going to have amazing benefits too. So the, the better your diet is, I mean this goes for so many different health issues doesn't it, the better your diet is, the better your chances of having a faster recovery. So I hope that gives you a bit of background info on what to expect, Juliana. It's definitely different for everyone. You may have to do more gut healing if you haven't done so already. You may be worthwhile supporting the liver. Uh, you might need to add some herbs or supplements specific for anxiety, depression or adrenal support if that's what's being affected for you. Whatever the path on, I wish you well and I hope you're getting the help you need from a good practitioner um, and if you need any more help, then you know, feel free to email me. Um, so yeah, good luck with your recovery and I look forward to hearing how you go. The next one today is from Catherine and Catherine's asking about adrenals. And then I had, uh, I actually had a few people asking about adrenals in the last couple of weeks. So I've got a, a question from Michelle as well. It's also similar. So Catherine asks, the, what are the best recommended products for healing adrenals? And Michelle asks... What basic steps would you follow for adrenal fatigue? So when I saw both these questions and then a few others trickling in, I thought I'll just kind of cover adrenals as a bit of a whole. So, Firstly, for those of you playing along at home, adrenal fatigue is when the mind and the body have both been under long-term stress and the adrenal glands have been pumping out too much cortisol, which is a stress hormone. And this happens in the early stage of adrenal fatigue or in the later stages, the adrenals start to produce too little cortisol and that can be a problem too. Uh, so adrenal fatigue covers both of those ends of the spectrum uh, and it can result in us feeling stressed, edgy, tired, fatigued, and we can end up with not very fun stuff like mood swings, hormonal imbalances, thyroid issues, just to name a few. Um, it can affect our immunity, definitely. So yeah, there's there's a, a bit of a picture there you can imagine of people getting run down and burnt out. First of all, if you're new to the whole adrenal fatigue thing, there's a free gift on my website that you can download called The Little Guide to Healing Your Adrenals head to julesgalloway.com and you'll find it on the right-hand side just when you scroll down a little. It can give you some practical ways to get started uh, in terms of looking after the health of your adrenal glands and your nervous system. So that's actually a really good place to start if you're a bit of a newbie in the adrenal place. Now, to look after the health of our adrenals, firstly, we need to look at the diet. It all comes back to diet, doesn't it? Hey, hey. A whole food diet that's gluten, dairy, and cane sugar-free, low in natural sugars, usually with a small amount of gluten-free whole grains, is what I usually recommend. Every client's going to be a little bit different. You know, you you always hear me saying this like a broken record, don't you, that everyone's going to be a little bit different and can always pay to work with a practitioner to work out what your particular needs are. But in general, it's going to be gluten, dairy, cane sugar-free, and a small amount of whole grains. Now. We need to get lots and lots of lovely nutrients into the body whilst also balancing the blood glucose with a fair bit of protein and the right kinds of carbs. Definitely, definitely nothing white and starchy that will throw the balance out. We want, if we're going to have carbs, we want like veggies, fruit, and a small amount of whole grains that are gluten-free. So something like brown rice would be perfect. The more balanced the blood glucose, the less your body relies on your adrenals to perk you up. So when your blood glucose is all over the shop and you can't get your energy from the food in a consistent manner, then your body will start to rely on the adrenals to produce the stress hormones to kind of wake you up. So that's what we don't want to have happen. We don't want to activate them unnecessarily. So skipping meals is also a big no-no with adrenal fatigue because that's when the adrenals start to try and do the job if there's a lack of food. Small amounts frequently in terms of meals is usually a better way to go. Again, this has to do with keeping the blood glucose and energy levels nice and stable so that you don't get into a cycle of highs and lows because once you're in that cycle of highs and lows, that's when the stress hormones get to be involved and that's what we're trying to prevent so we also need to look at lifestyle factors, good old lifestyle factors. So things like relaxation, mindfulness, gentle exercise, these are all super important. Recognizing that being busy causes stress on the adrenals is also key to your recovery. If I had a dollar for every time someone said, no, 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 I'm not stressed, I'm just busy. It's like, it's the same Thing you might not see it as being the same thing in your mind, but I can tell you right now your little adrenal glands they think it's the same thing. If you're busy, your adrenals see that as stress and they respond by producing stress hormones, which is what you don't want. So, a great way to find out more about this particular issue is to watch Dr. Libby's TED talk about the pace of our modern lives versus our cavewoman biochemistry. She is bang on when she talks about how women have too much on our plates and how it's affecting our bodies in a negative way. If you're a busy woman, please, please, please watch that TED Talk. Just Google Dr. Libby TED Talk and you will find it. Product-wise, because I know this was part of the question, it depends on a few factors. Uh, First of all, what stage of adrenal fatigue you're in whether your cortisol levels are too high or too low. So in the earlier stages of adrenal fatigue, your cortisol levels might be quite high. In the later stages of adrenal fatigue, they might be too low. So you also might be experiencing other issues alongside the adrenal fatigue, for example, pyrrole disorder, thyroid issues, insomnia, anxiety, or even depression. Uh, And there's lots of other things that can pop up as well. And also when it comes to products, it unfortunately sometimes comes down to budget, doesn't it? So here's an overall view of the most common over-the-counter herbs and supplements you can use to support healthy adrenals. And also just know that if you go through a naturopath, if you see someone, they might be able to pinpoint better what you need, get you better products because practitioners can prescribe practitioner-only products. And they might be able to save you money in the long run because they can really hone in on the best stuff just for you. But if you're going for over-the-counter supplements, if you're heading just down to your local health food shop, some really good ones to look out for are things like this. B vitamins. Now, B vitamins are needed to support healthy adrenal function and a healthy nervous system. They also help to for the body to produce energy. So they're they're very important. Or if you don't want to take B vitamins um, or if you have an issue with something like MTHFR, which I mentioned earlier, um, and that would mean that you would need to take a different kind of B vitamin if you had that condition. Um, They often have to take activated Bs or sometimes you might be better off taking a really nourishing, building B vitamin rich superfood like spirulina. Now, spirulina is really, really high in all the bees, so that's a really good one to go for that's actually a food rather than a synthetically made supplement. So I do often recommend spirulina for a lot of my people. Magnesium's another one. Um, I'm a very big fan of the old magnesium amino acid chelate, some of the cheaper forms of magnesium. Magnesium. Uh, not as readily absorbed so again you quite often get what you pay for in that department and if you go through a naturopath uh, they might be able to get you one that gives you a better bang for your buck. Now I am often asked about the following herb it's called withania but uh, a lot of people know it as ashwagandha. Now withania is very fashionable at the moment uh, I've loved it for a long time. It's always been one of my favorite herbs, and I've taken it myself on a number of occasions. Uh, it's very, very good for depleted women, especially if those women have like a tendency towards being a bit iron deficient as well. You know the the people who uh, work work work, and then when they stop working and take a break, they get sick. You know those people who finish their exams and then they catch a flu. Or they finally go on that holiday they've been waiting for and that's when they, they're lying in their little sun lounge on a beautiful island somewhere somewhere with a head cold. Those people, those people who hold up while they're working but when they stop, they just fall in a heap. Um, I love Withania for tired, depleted women uh, who fall apart when they stop. So yeah, it is, it's very fashionable at the moment. Um, I know there's a lot of websites out there that are promising that it does Everything. Um, I have heard of a lot of people making claims about this herb that are not necessarily true. Um, it doesn't work miracles, but it is a very beautiful herb for the right people. I do prefer it to be prescribed by a naturopath for the right people though, because you know herbs are quite strong. You don't necessarily want to just take them willy-nilly. it's, it's often very, it's, a, it's a very wise thing to go and talk to a bat practitioner about which herbs are going to be right for you because there might be something better. Speaking of better, uh, some people do better on things like ginsengs, Uh, there's Siberian ginseng that's quite often used or sometimes in some of my my male patients I might even go for a Korean ginseng. However, I tend to avoid the ginsengs if people are anxious because um, they can sometimes give you a little bit more energy. And sometimes if someone's got anxiety, you want to address the anxiety first before you give them more energy, because giving more energy to a person who's really anxious just makes them a bit more anxious. So uh, that's why I quite often would prefer these herbs to be prescribed by practitioners. <laughs> you can see a bit of a running theme there, can't you? Um, but that's that's just because I've seen what these herbs can do in the right doses. They're very, very powerful. Now you may also want to add liver support if you've got adrenal fatigue. Um, there's herbs like schizandra that are beautiful for the nervous system that also support the liver at the same time. Um, milk is another one that I quite often give to people, uh, you know, for liver support. Herbs also to calm the nervous system if someone has, uh, you know, an anxious type of personality. Then sometimes we point them more towards beautiful calming herbs like lemon balm, skull cup, chamomile, passion flower, These are all beautiful herbs, and when used correctly, they can help to, you know, to for you to deal with the anxiety and promote good sleep and those sorts of things. So even as a tea, honestly, like a really nice strong cup of like chamomile, lemon balm and passion flower tea of an evening can help to promote good healthy sleep. So yeah, never discount the simple cup of tea people, it can work wonders. Now, with all this herb and supplement advice going on, it can sometimes feel a little bit overwhelming at first to simultaneously address all these things at once. So you don't have to do everything at once. That's the beauty of it. And that's why I've designed my Shiny Healthy You program. It's gluten, dairy and cane sugar free. These are the three pillars to healing your body via the foods that you eat. But it also includes practical ways to relax and restore your body and mind through things like meditation, mindfulness, and gentle exercise. So for 12 weeks, I hold your hand and I guide you through making better health choices and better lifestyle choices and help to set you on the path to reset your own health. You can find out more about this at www.shinyhealthyyou.com. Now, the last one for today is quite a common one. So I was really happy when this came in, actually, because it's one that I see a lot. I used to see it a lot when I worked in health food retail, actually, because you'd get a lot of mums coming in. And so here's the question. It's from Mel. And she says, Hi, Jules. I have a question for your podcast. It's about warts. My girls, six and three, have tiny little warts, particularly on the inside of their legs around the knee. My six-year-old has many, and it seems that they are spreading, while my three-year-old only has one or two for now. What can we do? The doctor has advised wart off, which is nasty stuff. She explained it's a virus in the body, and you really cannot do anything for it. Is this true? Are the warts an indication of something else going on in their little bodies? Thank you, Mel. Hey, Mel, great question. Warts are really common, especially in kids. Yes, it's a virus, and yes, it does stay in the body forever. It tends to flare up more if the person has lowered immune defenses, though. So that is, it'll flare up if they're run down. So the more run down you are, the more likely you are to have a few more warts pop up. So working on the immunity in these cases is really important when you see crops of them coming up. Now, there are natural remedies. However, I can't believe I'm saying this because I'm a naturopath and I'm supposed to only love natural stuff, right? But, you know, that's not always true. I, I don't want to steer you the wrong way. And I'm going to tell you that the natural wart solutions can be a little bit hit and miss. However, I think they're worth a try before you hit the harder stuff because this is one of those health issues where you do have a little bit of time up your sleeve to try out the natural stuff before having to go down the doctor road. So I think this is one of these things where we can all work together. We'll, we'll try the natural stuff first and if we have to, we'll send you back to your GP. So, uh, my recommendation would be to head down to your local health food shop. They should have some things there for you because, like I said, it's a really common thing to come across. My favourite has always been Thuya cream, which is spelled T-H-U-J-A. And Thuya cream or thuya ointment, you'll sometimes see, uh, that used to get the best results, especially in kids. Uh, I'm also, I've am also i also seen great results with homeopathic thuya in some cases. And you might be able to get your hands on that as well if you wanted to try it. Uh, Head to your local health food store, find someone that's got a naturopath there working and have a chat with them and maybe show them, you know, the actual, you know, take take the girls with you and show them your skin um, and see what they advise. But yeah, there's some really good topical things you can try first. And then if you have to, you can go back to the doc. Now, If your child um, or if both of your girls are showing other signs of being run down, then looking at overall diet and even things like potential food allergies and intolerances is also important. So things to look out for when you're looking at immunity in kids is things like snotty noses, blocked ears, tonsillitis that recurs, uh, recurrent colds and coughs stuff that you know that they're coming down with a little bit more often than the actual than the average kid uh, like I said earlier if their defenses are often down then you they they're going to be more susceptible to further outbreaks Uh, because it means the immune system as a whole is being a bit challenged and a bit under the weather. So making sure that immune system is supported is very important. If there's immune issues present, then booking in to see a naturopath who can assess you for things like gluten and dairy intolerance might be a good idea. Or again, while you're at that health food shop, have a chat with them about simple ways to boost immunity in kids. There's some great supplements and a few herbs out there that you can definitely include for them at that age. So I hope that's helped you out and I'll be interested to know uh, whether the natural stuff works. Please let me know. I'm really looking forward to hearing the outcome of that one. And that's it for another episode at Shiny Healthy You HQ. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you have a question for the next time I do ask the naturopath, then send it through to hello at julesgalloway.com. Now, if you've liked what you've heard here, please remember, just pop over and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. I promise to send you loads of virtual hugs in return. Make sure you subscribe. That way, you'll never miss an episode. And we've got some ripper episodes coming up soon, too. So we're interviewing some of my very, very, very all-time favorite health industry peeps. So stick around. There's some really juicy episodes and lots of awesome information coming out, too.